Hi, I try to keep this podcast ads-free, uh, but lately there are people reaching out and asking if they could advertise jobs on the podcast, and I thought maybe this is a good idea to connect the ones that are listening and the ones uh, that are looking for the ones who are listening. So um, I want to give it a shot. So the deal is the ad will be always 30 seconds, so if you're not interested, just hit the 30-second skip button and you will be jumping directly into the podcast. Another thing is I just launched a new video course and it's all about building REST API with Clojure using Rated. So you can check it out at learnrated.com. Um, so yeah, just take a look. If this is something for you, consider signing up, supporting also this podcast. And thanks for tuning in. Multis is hiring an EU-based full-stack engineer. Multis builds banking accounts for companies with crypto and traditional currencies. We are looking for a full-stack engineer to build our business banking stack and features. Our full-stack is in ClojureScript. Base salary is between 50 to 70,000 euros, remote-friendly. If you're located in Western Europe and have two-plus years of experience, then email join at multis.co or go to multis.co, that's M-U-L-T-I-S dot co, to check the post. Today we're talking to Dimitri. Hi, Dimitri. Hi. Uh, and we'll be talking about Luminous. Um, so maybe before we start about Luminous, if you can just give us a bit, small introduction about yourself and then we see where we go from there. Of course. So my name is Dmitry and I've been working with Clojure for around a decade now. I kind of like got in fairly early on. And um, I work at the University Health Network, which is uh, an organization between different hospitals downtown Toronto in Canada. And my team uh, focuses on clinical applications. So a lot of work we do is to provide different applications for clinical use. And we effectively map out workflows in a hospital and see whether, whether there's gaps that affect patient care or information handling between different clinicians. And we kind of like talk to the users at the hospital, to doctors and nurses, figure out what their workflows are, what their needs are what they feel is missing, and kind of try to fill in those gaps for them. And we're a fairly small team. Like, we have about uh, 30 people on the overall team, and my immediate team is around six people. So we maintain quite a few applications for the hospital. And one of the things for us, though it's always a concern, is just being able to maintain everything we build and to support it. Um, and... My team used to use Java, and we used to be like a fairly traditional Java shop where we use stuff like Spring and WebSphere and so on. And what we found is just our ability to address things in a timely fashion and to react was fairly limited. Like it, it took a long time to develop apps. It took a long time to introduce changes. If you made some design decisions, it kind of like became very expensive for us to revisit those. And that's why we kind of like started exploring different alternatives. So that's uh, how <clears throat> we ended up working with Clojure on my team. So that's kind of like a bit uh, of background about me. Uh, okay, so I believe all of this pushed you to uh, create the Luminous, the framework, or how did you start with that? Yeah, so that's kind of like what led up to it because <clears throat> as we kept um, building Clojure apps, we sort of were putting things together, ad hoc basis for each project. And eventually some patterns started emerging because we wanted to have some consistency between our projects. 
and to kind of like do things in a more standardized fashion. So I started kind of like building out a template. And back when we started using Clojure, um, there really wasn't much available. Like there was libraries, obviously, but nobody really put things together in a specific way. And there was not a lot of documentation about how to actually do things. And that's really where Luminous kind of originates because I realized that other people working with Clojure probably have similar problems. So it would be good to kind of like document some of our experience and to put it all together in a nicer package to help people get started. Because I realized we had like a lot of rough edges when we started and obviously other people would as well. So kind of like Luminous has three aspects to it. Uh, One is the actual template and that kind of provides an easy way to basically just set up a standard project. The other aspect is the documentation around it, which um, lets users figure out how to actually do stuff with the template and how to accomplish basic tasks, right? Like, how do I do session handling? How do I do front-end development? How do I package it? How do I deploy things? And because I found a lot of this information is available, but it's often scattered, and it's often on blogs, and blogs become outdated over time, and right, like the patterns change, libraries change, so it's really convenient to have all that information in one place. And the final aspect is to kind of like curate a set of libraries that I know worked for my team and that, <clears throat> that are like that fit well together. So that's kind of like the three aspects, right? Like the curation aspect, the documentation, and the actual template that provides the basic glue for the application. Mm-hmm. When you say template, this is, of course, the lining and template, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so when we dive into the Luminous itself, what would be the important concepts one would have to understand to get going with Luminous? Um, so the basic things I think that are good to know is how just a basic HTTP stack works. Like it doesn't really require, in my opinion, a lot of closure specific knowledge. It's stuff you can kind of pick up, I think, as you go. And what it tries to do is when you create a new project with a template, it will set up all the boilerplate that kind of like, right? Like how do you start the application? How the routing is hooked up? If you had like front end, like with closure script, then it's going to hook that up for you in the same way. And the idea is to just, let the user focus on the actual handlers for the routes. So you specify what routes your app has, and then you provide the functions that actually work on those. And the rest of it should kind of just work. Mm-hmm. And my idea was that people can get started quickly and focus on kind of like the main specific code for their app. And then as they need to do more things, like maybe you need to add authentication or session handling or so on, like you can kind of start exploring documentation and learning on it piecemeal as it comes up. And I find like myself personally, I tend to learn best by working through problems. Mm-hmm. So I tend to start on a project, try to solve a problem and then do research in that context. Cause I find just like, if I read a book or a blog or something, you know, like I, I might remember it for a while and I might get an idea, but I can just forget that stuff. So I think context is important. That's kind of Luminous tries to contextualize things for the user. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then there's, of course, the book uh, that you wrote on Luminous. Um, so the, the third edition is the latest one, right? 
Yeah, so that's kind of like work in progress. And I'm working on it with Scott Brown, who is my co-author. And he's actually been contributing majority of the content in the new edition. So there was uh, though the one emission I had in second edition was uh, I didn't talk about reframe. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, looking back, I regret that because I find that that's quite a bit on top of uh, Reagent. And we can talk a bit more about that later. But yeah, Scott's done a fantastic job explaining Reframe, the concepts behind it, how to use it effectively. Mm-hmm. So cool. like a uh, big thanks to him for contributing that to the project. Yeah. So when we're talking about connecting the front end and sort of the back end of the application, how is this accomplished in Luminous? Would I build on my back end like an API and then everything will be like Eden or JSON? Or is there any kind of internal glue that stitches those things together? Yeah, so Luminous tries to kind of keep uh, as vanilla as possible. And part of it is just my availability. So I, I didn't want to invest into kind of like building my own actual framework. So it's like it's technically a framework, but really it's a template that kind of glues the standard libraries together, right? So so it doesn't require any luminous specific knowledge. And and I think like the way the way you'd stitch front end and back end usually would be over Eden and just creates a service API. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the great developments recently in Closure ecosystem, in my opinion, is Reddit. Yeah. Because it provides a, it's declarative because everything's just a data structure, and it's uh, CLJC compiled, so you can use the same style routing on the front end and the back end, and you can even share routes between the front end and back end. So on my team right now, like we often will put all our actual routes in CLJC, and then we'll express server and client side in the same place. And I think like the Swagger API is really nice because. Uh, like I recommend, right? Like if you're doing like any service API, especially like uh, client server stuff with Closure Script, to use Swagger from from the start because it's uh, it just makes it much easier to test and document the server API. But I would say, yeah, like for oh for Closure Script, obviously most Closure apps are built as SPAs. <laughs> if you are going to be using Closure Script. And I find at that point your server side becomes actually fairly simple. Like pretty much every project I worked on, there really wasn't too much going on on the server aside from the business logic because you have some roots, um, you talk to your database, you do some authentication, but all the interesting things actually end up moving to the front end, right? Because the UI is really where a lot of complexity happens. Mm-hmm. Like I find server, you you tend to have right, like you get a request from the client, you do some processing on that request, and then you do a response. So it's a very linear cycle. Whereas on a client, the complexity explodes really fast because depends on how the user interacts with the UI and what steps they take, what order they take those steps in. It just it's exponential growth and complexity in my <laughs> experience. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree. I believe that the back end is much simpler than the front end. And yeah. I would I would argue that's kind of like the big difference between stuff like Rails, because Rails comes from a time before SPAs became popular. Correct. And really yeah. most of the stuff was done on the server side. Mm-hmm. And and then as people kept adding more reactive 
and interactive things on the front end, you kind of like end up with this hybrid approach where you do some stuff on the front end, some stuff on the back end. But the issue there is that if you don't really design for this upfront, you end up with a lot of complexity in your application because your state ends up being split between the front and back. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep it in sync. So whatever happens on the client also has to be reflected on the server. And then the server has its own session and the client effectively has its own session. <laughs> and keeping them in sync becomes um, a problem. So... I find the way closure script apps are written, like at least the way I write them and I've seen like some of the open source ones, typically there is no state server side aside from just like authentication and basic user information. Like all the all the stuff that's related to the UI and how the user interacts with the application lives on the client and the client basically just makes data requests to the server where it needs more information. And I find that that simplifies the application quite a bit because now all your state moves to the client, the server becomes stateless. Now you can potentially scale it horizontally much easier because you don't have to worry about replicating your sessions on the server. Um, And the complexity server side goes away. So the need for something like Rails, in my opinion, really goes away as well because there isn't anything really to manage there. Uh, If you want to now move to a different client, like a mobile or anything, you just apply the same principle, right? That's an excellent point. Uh, and because you already have the server API, it makes it much like, a you know, like if you do need to make a mobile app, then you don't really have to redesign anything. You just work against the API you have. Right. right. So um, you mentioned database. If I want to use any kind of database in Luminous, is there anything that's coming like pre-baked with it, with the template, or what are the options? Yeah, so the template supports all the common ones. You get MySQL, uh, Postgres, uh, pretty much like any SQL database will work because you just have to swap the driver out. Um, it also has support for Datomic, and I'd like to add support for Crux. But in general, it's fairly easy to add your own because you just add a library or add a namespace to manage your database and then just hook it up to your uh, routes. So, but yeah, like if you want an out of the box, like though I tend to use Postgres myself pretty much for most stuff. Yeah. But lately I have been using Cracks and it's, I find like it's uh, to me one of the more exciting ones because it's, um, a bit simpler to get into than Datomic, in my opinion. It's also open source, which helps. And it it works on, like you can run it on top of Postgres, which is also a nice bonus. But the big part is you can actually start using Eden in your database and making um, data script queries against it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I believe it also comes with all of the migrations if I need to do something on my SQL, right? And then... Yes, yeah. So Luminous uses Migratus as a migration engine, so then... Yeah, like everything, like it tries again, like I try to keep things working out of the box in the same fashion. So, so yeah, if you create a database profile, then it will create like a couple of dummy migrations to get started. And the migrations go in a resource folder in the app. So the idea is the app can actually run its own migration when it starts up. And the way I can like encourage people to manage migrations is to keep them with your application, keep them in source control. And basically, as your app evolves, evolve your migrations together in the same place. And then when the app runs, you can just run the migrations from the environment the app is running 
you know, through the app itself. So you don't need like a separate pass to run your migrations. Mm -hmm. Um, so we talk about the front end, we talk about uh, a bit about the uh, databases. What about dependency injection? Yeah, so that kind of feels <laughs> left up to the user. Um, like I find in general, I don't really like the inversion of control approach myself because what happens with that is when you use a framework, like at least my experience, every time I've used a framework is when you're doing stuff that fits with the design of the framework and what the author was thinking of when they made it, things were great. But as soon as you need to do something that doesn't really mesh with that, it becomes difficult. And, and you're kind of like inheriting all the complexity of the framework. The, a lot of it becomes incidental to your specific use case, right? Because a general framework has to be all things to all people. It has to be flexible enough to support any unexpected use case effectively. Whereas when you build your app, you do have a specific use case in mind. So I find leaving up the glue code up to the user is a lot better than kind of like doing this inversion of control, like traditional framework style, where you, the user has to figure out where to fit their use case into the framework. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of like, yeah, like, right, like when you do, like basically the idea is select the libraries you want, like Luminous will provide you with a few base libraries, but you can just add them to project CLJ if you need to. And figure out like where you need to glue those libraries in into your project in a way that makes sense for you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like I suspect that's why we really haven't seen a framework emerge in Clojure, right? Because people have tried. And yes. I guess there is like uh, there's one, there is Falcro, which is I'd say probably the closest to a framework. Yes, I believe there is really a lot into Falcro. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> That, that, that could be considered a framework, actually. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take that back. <laughs> but but aside from that, yeah, like there's been quite a few attempts. And I think people usually find the complexity just not being yeah. justified. Yeah, I think there were some projects. I'm just trying to recall the name. There was uh, Arachne. Yes, yeah. But I don't exactly know um, where that go, where what happened with this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't kept up with it, so... But yeah, I have a feeling um, at one point it was like, okay, the React took over, let's just have reframe reagent on the front end, and then we would have the API services on the back end. And I, I feel like this is the closure sort of way of thinking, if you will. Um, and I think what you're describing is pretty similar to this pattern, right? Yeah, so, no, I think that's exactly it. And I think like we've been kind of lucky because... We really settled on a fairly standardized stack at this point in Clojure. Front-end, mm -hmm. vast majority of stuff is going to be reframe, reagent, and back-end. Like we used to, Composure used to be kind of like the de facto routing, and now it's Reddit. Yes, I would, I would, I would agree, yeah. And, and I think like projects, like even like with those changes, like Reddit and Composure and... Like, they're not really huge changes, so I feel the ecosystem has stayed very stable and it's kind of, like, easy to maintain older projects. It's easy to move from old projects to new projects. And, like, when you compare it to stuff that's been happening in JavaScript land, even in React, like, right, there's been, like, Redux and Flux and now, like, React hooks. Mobex, yeah. And it, the funny part is that it's starting to look a lot like Reframe. 
Yes. So that really shows just how right we got it out of the gate. Yeah. And I think like it's a testament to the experience of Clojure community because it does tend to attract more senior developers. Mm-hmm. And I think that experience shows because those people have cut their teeth on a lot of projects in the past, so they know what works and what doesn't. And I feel like that experience is being reflected in closure libraries because a lot of them are extremely high quality. Hmm. That's true. And usually have pretty good documentation too, so... Yeah, like when you think about the size of the community and how closure is really a fairly niche technology, the, the quality of work that people are doing is just phenomenal in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I'm sometimes surprised if I land, end up on one library and I'm like, oh, you know, even, even reading the code is like, okay, this is pretty well structured. You can really figure out how the thing connect and where they are. Yeah, I suspect like my one of my theories is that the declarative approach that Clojure uses it actually makes the ecosystem more stable and libraries easier to use. And what I mean by that is like when, when you work with an object-oriented system, what you end up working with is graphs of objects. Because like say you have a library API, and that's going to be expressed using objects, and then you call those objects, you instantiate them. And you have to know what to pass into those objects to instantiate them. Then you have to know what methods to call on those objects. But when you call those methods, you get more objects back that have objects inside them, and it's just objects all the way down. And each object is a living thing because it has state. It, like Each object is effectively a state machine. You have some internal data, and you have some getters and setters on it, or some other API, right, like message passing or whatever it is. And... You have this opaque thing that's stateful that you have to know how to interact with this. And when you have a graph of those things that are interdependent and they have interdependent states inside them, that becomes really complex, really fast. So you can't just look at your code and know what it's going to do. And I think that's the biggest difference with the data-oriented approach, uh, like we use in Clojure, where data is transparent and inert. So if I call if I call a function from a library API, what I get back is a piece of data that I can see in the REPL, I can inspect it. And the way I'm going to transform and work with that data is going to be exactly the same as any other piece of data in my program. It's the same core library functions that I use. So I don't have to learn about each unique piece of data that I get back from an API and its behaviors like I would with objects. Right? Like I don't have to know like what methods it has, what you know, what state it's in, what am I allowed to do with it. It's just it's plain data, it's immutable. I don't have to worry, right, like about any side effects if I change that data. And that's what makes it so much simpler, I think. And that's why so many libraries in Clojure ecosystem uh, can be updated very rarely. Like, right, like a lot of time we have this like joke that's like, oh, closure libraries aren't maintained because it hasn't had updates in two years. But when you think about what's going on inside, if my library operates on data and it has an API where it takes some data in and produces some data as a result. Like once I solve a scope of a particular problem, unless I actually expand the scope or I have a bug, I don't really need to change anything. I don't need to make updates. I don't need to <laughs> change the dependencies. And, and usually the bugs get caught fairly early on because once you 
put out a library and people start using it, they run into problems and edge cases and you fix those. But then like after, you know, like a few months that goes away. And then unless you have some really weird edge case that nobody noticed, there's probably nothing to do with that library. So it just lives. Yeah, I think we should start to send you to some other conferences where you can talk to other developers about this, you know, I think <laughs> because we all know this enclosure and I think maybe wasting a bit of your time. So just get, get out there, man, and just talk to other people. Just bring them to the, you know. I guess now our conferences are remote. <laughs> Thanks yeah. to COVID. <laughs> yeah. But I right. think, yeah, you're right. Like, uh, it, it is kind of fairly well-known thing in closure community, but... A lot of people outside the community don't really realize this. And because I've never worked with a system like Clojure, um, there is no reference frame. Because like, if you always worked with objects, it's kind of like living in Plato's cave. You know? right. <laughs> like if you've never seen anything different, you don't know what you're missing out on. Right, yeah. Um, uh, just off the record, where are we going next? Um, do you have any? <laughs> I don't. I mean, I you know, this is like this. I I agree with everything what you said. You know, I <laughs> the complexity of JavaScript. I've been there, done that. I build applications, and I I said there must be a better way doing this. You know, um, so everything what you said is just on point. Um, I've been through you know, React, Mobex, uh, Redux, uh, Redux Saga, and uh, all those other things. And I, at one point, I said, Jesus Christ, there must be a better way to do things. <laughs> and I yeah. started to explore, you know, and I looked at, you know, I looked at Elm, and I looked at uh, what's, the, uh, what's the new thing from Facebook, uh, ReasonML. Um, and, you know, I ended up in enclosure, and I was like, wow, this is just so much simpler, and it's, yeah, it's just so much easier to like think about. And then, of course, the reagent, the reframe, and all of those things come together. And you were like, what the hell I've been doing for all this time? Yeah, honestly, that's been my experience exactly as well, because I was so burnt out in Java. Like, for a while, I, I'll be honest, I was actually considering switching careers because, like, I was not enjoying what I was doing. Right. <laughs> and then, yeah, I discovered Clojure, and I was like, oh, no, I, I like programming. I just don't like programming. You know, yeah. in shitty languages. Yes, it, yeah, I totally agree. This was the same thing. At one point, I was like, "I'm done." Like, yeah, like what am I doing with my life? <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> Life's too short yeah. for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or any other platform you're listening to. You can share it on social media with your friends. You can blog about it, discuss it on your own podcast. And you can support it directly by buying my video courses and learning ClojureScript and Clojure at my website, jacekshare.com. That's J-A-C-K-S-C-H-A-E.com. Thank you for your support of this show.